0: Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of Living Faith Bible Institute's Postscript Shorts, where we get students from LFBI, from our school, uh, to come on the show and hang out with us and have a conversation about their testimony, uh, how they came to know Jesus Christ, but also how LFBI has impacted their life and equipped them to do the work that they're doing, that they're called to do within the context of their local church. And so uh, I've loved doing this. We've been getting tons of feedback on these episodes. And so uh, I'm grateful for any time uh, I have to sit down with a brother or sister in Christ and just discuss what God's doing in their life. It's just so much fun to hear those things. And so for today's episode, I've invited my friend Blade Spisa from Living Faith Lee Summit here in the Kansas City Metro to hang out with me and to have a conversation just like the one I described. And so with that, I want to welcome uh, my friend to the show, Blade Spisa. What's going on? How What's are you up, doing? man? It's going? Tell us a little bit about what you do in ministry, what your life is like, what your career is like, just so people can yeah. get a picture of who you are before we get into your testimony.
1: I am at Living Faith Lee Summit, a church plant out of Midtown Baptist Temple, and I have the privilege of serving and leading our college ministry there, college and young, young adults, anywhere from 18 to 30 plus, and shepherding them as well as leading the praise ministry at Living Faith. So um, a few years back, I was leading the college ministry praise uh, under Dan and ended up just following him to Lee Summit, where I served kind of as his right-hand guy along with a few others. So I'm just there to take care of whatever needs that are on his plate and relieve him. So that's anything from Weddings to helping serve at funerals to tearing down walls like I did this last week mm-hmm. to preaching if that's the need or teaching D two whatever it whatever it may be
2: right so
0: that keeps you pretty busy that keeps me very busy
1: yeah and you're married I'm married to the most amazing woman sorry yeah. I no hey I'm with you she's she's pretty amazing yeah her name is Gabrielle mm-hmm. um, we had some mutual friends that. And, a, and a, with a long story, set us up, and and she serves with me at Living Faith. She's the most amazing. Help me, humble, sweet, ever asked meek, for. It. Yeah, very the opposite meek. of me.
0: Yeah, like, you guys, your partnership is is very well balanced.
1: It, it, very much so. I mean, yeah. I'm you know straightforward. I'm gonna be arrogant, and she's just meek and quiet and yeah. sweet. Yeah, it's it's yeah.
0: pretty great. Yeah, I'm so glad you guys got together. That was a good move. Hey, well done. Me too. <laughs> um, so man, you so you've already alluded to a lot, and, and mm-hmm. I think we'll come back to that in your testimony. But uh, Living Faith Lee Summit uh, is has been a church for coming up on six years. Yeah. So it's still fairly recent, but you're kind of coming up into your your adolescence in the church planting world. I mean, you've grown. You guys have grown so much. So much is happening. There's a lot of momentum.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a really cool and exciting thing to see. Uh, from the outside looking in, and it's been really awesome to watch you grow and develop and learn how to lead, and through leading, you know, mm-hmm. just through trial and error of of just committing yourself to the work of the ministry, it's been really awesome to watch. And so, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show because I think your your story um, will will be uh, powerful for a lot of people. So let's 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 back up uh, to your childhood, okay. and maybe you can talk us through how you came to a place uh, where you accepted Jesus Christ, and in fact, um, how your family came to know Christ, which is all kind of tied together.
1: Yeah, that's a long story, but I'll do my best uh, to to synthesize. I've been in Kansas City my whole life. I grew up in a suburb of Kansas City called Lee Summit, Missouri. I had an older brother. We'd we'd go play with our friends, hang out, do whatever, you know, everything that a suburban kid would do. Yeah. My parents raised us Catholic. Um, From a young age, we would go to church uh, every Sunday. My mom was a cantor, or in other words, she sang mm-hmm. for the church, and my dad was a lecturer. He would read, and uh, early on, I, from kindergarten through, uh, it was fourth grade, I was in private school at that Catholic church, and you know, a, a foundation was laid in my life to believe that there was a God, and mm-hmm. I think there was no question in my, my mind that that was true. Um, early on, I believed um, that God was real, I believed that God loved me, um, I believed that I could speak to him. There yet were a lot of questions, though, hanging in the balance of, mm-hmm. of that. And so uh, in the Catholic Church, y- you come about, I think it's about 14, 14, 13, 14, there's something called confirmation. And so in the process of confirmation, they bring a bunch of high school students together uh, to talk about Catholic doctrine. Mm-hmm and in the process of you know discussing different things like transubstantiation the the you know the transfer right. of the eucharist into the literal body and blood of christ there was right. a lot of different differing views on that topic along with a number of other things and and that was a that was a huge issue for me so coming out of high school i was wrestling just with spiritual things and though I wanted answers, I didn't have them in the Catholic Church. But in time, as I pursued uh, a simple question, um, what is absolute truth? Mm -hmm. I realized that it could not be answered in a a religious system that uplifts or upholds multiple authorities. Mm -hmm. I knew that if my parents were saying one thing, and the deacon that was leading our confirmation group said one thing, and our priest said another thing, and I had my opinions about right. tradition and science and religion and faith and philosophy. Well, then, then no one was the authority, mm-hmm. and the only authority was me, because I was the one picking and choosing what I liked and what I didn't like. Right. And I hated that. That, like, that set on me as a senior in high school with so much weight that I, I realized I, I needed to be somewhere else. And that's about all I knew. I knew what was right in front of me wasn't truth. Like, maybe there was some truth in it, but I needed I needed answers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, long story short, I got out of high school, thought my life was falling apart for whatever reason. I had a girlfriend that I was uh, with three years, thought I was gonna marry. You know, that, that ended, a small, th- tiny thing now. But at the time, it was something that was, uh, really heavy on me because it was the first thing in my life I couldn't ever control. Mm-hmm. I like was just completely out of my hands. Right. Long story short, I end up in this class at Longview uh, called Color Theory that was led by Dan Renault. He was mm-hmm. the teacher. And then as I sit down for that first class, uh mm-hmm. at the time Powers was sitting across from me. Yeah at that time in my life, I was seeking truth and I was struggling, namely with eternal security. I believe the terms of the gospel. Like if somebody would have asked me, do you believe that Christ died for you, that he's the son of God, that on the third day he rose again from the grave, conquering death? I would have been like, yeah, I believe that. Mm-hmm. The, the problem was I had an intellectual assent to that belief and, and I didn't have trust. I, I didn't trust what that work did mm-hmm. because it was in the Catholic church cluttered by so many other doctrines and so many other ideas and works and the sacraments and whatever it may be mm-hmm. that i i missed out on the simplicity and the power of the gospel that that what christ did on the cross was sufficient right like i knew that but even if that's taught in the catholic church that's that's not what's taught as the doctrines play out in, mm-hmm. in actuality and so what made it confusing for me is I had to distinguish the difference between people and ideas. And I see this a lot in anybody who is religious. Mm-hmm. Like and I'm sure you've seen this even as you go to interact with people. When when somebody goes to deal with a doctrine, everybody always feels personally attacked. And and you have to get to the place where you're able to interact with someone on a level that's purely Information, mm-hmm. purely fact. Yeah, the sharing factual. of ideas. Yeah, the sh- sharing of ideas. And sadly, that's, you, you know, that's like, that's not even in the course of our conversation. No, people right, are so right
0: ideological
1: and tribalized that they, that they are offended. Very um, much so. At,
0: at any challenge. Yeah, and so that's
1: not even religious. Right. But for me, I had two people in my life at that time, Dan and Havla, who were willing to engage me on a level that was intellectual, um, but not in a way that was threatening. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I began asking questions. And, and one of the things that Havala presented to me was, you know, if you, know, if you die, will you go to heaven? Like, how do you, you know? Do you just believe it or do you know? And okay. I was like, well, you can't know. Like nobody knows what's, co- like, what's mm-hmm. to come. Mm-hmm. Like you can hope. And as a Catholic, I had a hope of salvation, but I was far from secure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I always worried about whether or not God loved me. Uh, whether I would be with him in heaven and she's like I know I'm like what do you what do you mean you know like you don't know and and so we went back and forth on that but she showed me the verse in 1 John I believe it's chapter 5 in verse 13 or 14 mm-hmm. which says that if you believe on the name of the son of god you you may know that you have eternal life mm-hmm. and I was like oh yeah I better just shut up because I I I believe the bible but hadn't read a single page yeah you didn't know it hadn't read a single page yeah seriously so a few few months go on i end up at uh midtown baptist temple the first guy i met here was alex allen he said man it's so nice to meet you we've been praying for you well that was kind of weird what do you mean you're praying for me <laughs> like I, I pray by myself yeah I, I felt loved even though it was it it was odd. felt different, way different it than any. It felt so different. And the, the thing that I wanted from a ch- my childhood, I wanted people who actually believed what they said they believed. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, I show up in this place, and there's young adults around me who believe what they say they believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so sad to think, but all through middle school, high school, I didn't have one person share the gospel with me. I, like, that's so sad. Like there were a few people who, who invited me to church and, but how, how much trouble I would have avoided with, with somebody pursuing me. I get plugged into Midtown Baptist Temple. I see that it's the, the, the church that I need to be at. Like I, I knew I had to leave the Catholic church with all respect to everyone there, but it was just based on the truth. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be at this place anymore. So I was planning on church hopping and before I could even go to one church, God was like, here, I want to yeah. give you a pastor who's going to be your art professor, so you'll at least listen to him, because mm-hmm. I had enough pride about being an artist, whatever that meant right. at the time, to me, and, and I want to give you this girl who, who is secure in her faith. She actually, I know it to you, has been wrestling with eternal security, and she just... She, she was, herself just she found, herself truth. Found, found truth, you know? And... Mm-hmm. And So I realized the, the work of Christ was finished. I got to this church where people loved me, and so was it the gospel that changed my life? Yes, absolutely. But it was the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never had a community of believers to, to just listen,, yeah. to surround me, to, to care for me. And so I ended up at this Bible study. At the time, it was one guy's Bible study, mm-hmm. and it was one lady's Bible study. Mm-hmm. and maybe maybe two. In I think that there was season. two. Yeah. And it was, again, the first time I'd ever seen anybody open up the Bible and share from it, besides, like, in the formality of a, church, a Catholic church service mm-hmm. or mass, mm-hmm. uh, where you're just reading the text. This was people explaining how the text affected them and how God spoke to them. And I wanted that. I, yeah. I wanted a relationship with Christ. And so growing growing up, my dad would always say his greatest desire for us was to have a relationship with Christ. He would tell me that all the time. He's mm-hmm. like, my, my greatest desire for you and your brother is to have a relationship with Christ. I don't care if you make a lot of money. I don't care if your relationships fail in this world. Like, I want you to know Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, the funny thing is my dad didn't know Christ right. when he was saying that. Yeah, And so the faithfulness of God to plant seeds in my life from a young age, um, even within the Catholic church where I was hearing the gospel to my dad saying, I want you to know Christ
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, to a girlfriend my senior year asking how she could know God and me not being able to give an answer and me not knowing what a relationship with Christ meant. All those things led me to the, to the breaking point of, of me saying me crying out, God, I, I know that your death was sufficient to, to pay for my sin. Mm-hmm. How do I know that, I, that you love me? Well, I look back at the cross. You, you already proved it to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How do I know that death is defeated? I already know that. I look back at your resurrection. I see that, that you rose again for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And at that point in time, when I realized that, I fell into this church. I realized the Bible is the, the absolute authority of my life. What else could I do but buy in? Right. I mean, what else could I do but just say, say yes to all of this? Yeah. I mean, did I lose stuff? Sure. Did, did I not go to art school? Sure. Did I forget that relationship? Yeah, I did. Like in comparison to what Christ has done in my life now, looking back, all those things I was worried about losing, dung. Yeah just completely worthless.
0: So tell, tell us about how, you know, from that moment where you realized that you could trust the word of God, Yeah, that you believed um, the moment of your salvation, how did that begin to impact your family? Explain how that kind of unfolded and, and what came to be.
1: Yeah, so I was shown up to Dan's Bible study and I was beginning to learn the word of God. Uh, I started to hear about discipleship on Sunday mornings. Uh, just in the pulpit. So I approached Dan and said, Hey, I want to get discipled. I, mm-hmm. I want to learn the word of God. I see all these other guys sharing, the, sharing their faith, and I don't know how to do this at all. And so I enter into a discipleship w- uh, relationship with, with Dan. He was trying to swoop in a guy named Miles Cheadle, uh, but he got me. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. Uh, <laughs> and Dan invested in me. You know, he's my art teacher. I'd go to a philosophy class. I'd leave that philosophy class to go to color theory or sculpture or whatever it may be, and I'd ask him all my Bible questions. Mm-hmm. My philosophy teacher said this, what does what, the Bible say about that? And he'd give me answers,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like real answers, not like Christian answers. Right. And I started to learn the Bible, and at the time, because I was at community college, I was saving money. I was living at home, and because of my zeal and maybe an untempered mouth, I was very bold with my, my folks. Mm-hmm. My dad thought I was a part of a cult. My mom supported me, but really wasn't interested. And I mean, they love me. I have, I mean, they're awesome, but they challenged me hard. Like I remember a few conversations and it was, it was heated and they were talking about like not letting me live there. And I mean, they weren't having it.
2: Mm-hmm. And so it was too a, much for them,
1: and it was so weird because it's like, wouldn't you want me to know? Like you've always told me, you you want me to know Christ, right. and and like I'm convinced I've found him. Like right. you guys should come be a part of this. And
0: it just sounded so radical.
1: It sounded so radical. Yeah, and it was different. And it and it, and ultimately, this is what it meant. They were wrong. Mm-hmm. That's why parents don't want to hear from their kids that everything that they were raised with is wrong because right. it says that they're wrong as individuals. Yeah, yeah. and so to be honest, I. I wasn't sensitive enough to that. Sure. But God used it. And in time, my dad's like, I, you know, I want to I wanna make sure you're not at a cult. Mm-hmm. And so they maybe came to one Sunday. And then he said, does your pastor have any Bible? Do you, does your church have any Bible studies that I could just be a part of to see what you're learning about? Mm-hmm. Well. Sam had one at the time. Sam had one at yeah, the time. Pastor Sam. So my dad went to Sam Miles' uh, Bible study, who's yeah the head pastor of Midtown,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and ends up getting saved through that Bible study. Ends up getting discipled by Sam. Mm-hmm. And then my mom, in a matter of time, ended up getting discipled by Cheryl. Yeah, Sam's wife. Sam's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all while this is happening, my brother bu- my brother's away from co- uh, at college. He uh, accepted Christ, um, I think through crew or campus mm-hmm. ministry. Uh, but never had a local church. Hopped from you know Reformed church to non-denom, which is probably right. Reformed, and right. uh, just a random conglomeration of churches. Yeah. And saw what God was doing in my life, and He had come back for holidays. And he, he's like, I, I want to learn the Bible. I, I realized like the gospel is good, and people need the gospel, but people mm-hmm. need discipleship. And so my brother ended up doing discipleship with Dan and, and in a roundabout way, Dell Thomas.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And now online, they're- They were
0: doing it online primarily. Online, yeah, yeah, through
1: Zoom. Knowing that my brother was coming back to Kansas City mm-hmm. uh, out of his schooling. He had it eight years yeah. away. And, and now all my family's at a church plant with me in Lee Summit, Missouri. My, my mom and dad know Christ. They're both leading, my, my dad's leading like a Bible study of like 30 people my mom's leading one with some family members and some friends, probably about 15 people. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother, come the first of the year, is going to be leading with Van Sneed an uh, adult fellowship, mm-hmm. anything from uh, roughly 30 onward. Yeah, uh, So he'll be leading that. I mean, it's just absolutely Insane yeah. to think what Completely God's done. Different. I mean, it's insane from a natural standpoint, but you think that's what God wants to do in all of our lives.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's his standard business. It's his standard business. Yeah. And it, it's sometimes like even now, like I'm remembering my story. It's like, man, God's got so good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just easy to forget. Yeah, yeah. How different life was and how how different it would have been. And that's why I say everything that's standing. On the other side of this conversation, me having not accepted the gospel and God not leading me here Mm -hmm. is dung. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no worldly pleasure that could even touch a walk with God. Yeah, the peace that you received. Yeah. So I mean, I think about our trip to India, you know? So like two years into Midtown, I get discipled by Dan. I go through D2. I'm not even done yet. He asked me to come to India. We're teaching on all the minor prophets, mm-hmm. and God gave me a heart for missions. That's typically what happens. And in a, I think maybe that next year, 2015, 2016, 2016 Mission Focus, God laid on my heart that he was calling me into pastoral ministry long-term. At least that was the call in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that the, the work is good. I had to work through whether or not the desire was but that the work was good, and um, I just continued plugging in, saying yes to everything that yeah. God put in front of me.
0: And now, and now you're, you know, you were a part of the church plant, things unfolded. Mm-hmm. You know, we've told that story several times on the episodes of The Postscript Dan's been on to discuss church planting, the difficulties of that, the joys of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the refining process um, has, has um, been at work in your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've also been a part of LFBI throughout these years. So tell me the impact that the Living Faith Bible Institute has had on your walk and your ability to lead. I mean, you're teaching every Sunday from God's word. Mm-hmm. You're leading in worship. How, how has the philosophy and education that you've gotten here at LFBI impacted your ability to do those things?
1: Yeah, it's, it's been invaluable to me. There's a lot of nonsense on YouTube. Like if you yeah. want just a bunch of Bible facts sure. that may or may not be Biblical, or they'll be biblical, but they may not be rightly divided. Mm -hmm. You'll find them. Like, it's insane how much is out there. But with LFBI, um, I have discovered teachers and professors who are actually doing the work. So everything that they're sharing, and everything that they're studying is not only information, but it's their life. It's an extension of discipleship. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about discipleship being the sharing of life, The Bible college is that. Yeah. It's pastors sharing what God's done in their life, Mm -hmm. in their heart, in their mind, in their study, and there's handles on it. You know, so now it's not see the professor in the front telling me what to do, but not living it. You know, it's no differently than how Christ would have modeled discipleship for us, right? He, Mm He taught as he walked with them. Yeah, hearers and doers. Hearers and doers. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So...
0: What, name a class that has really impacted your ability to lead in ministry. Name, name a class that's, that you felt was revolutionary in terms of your understanding of the Bible and, and, and how to do the work.
1: So I personally would say this, the Bible survey classes. Mm-hmm. I really like big picture. Yeah, intro to New Testament, Old Testament classes. Yeah, yeah. intro to New Testament, intro to Old Testament, Genesis to Revelation. I, I wanna see the whole picture. I wanna see what God's doing. I want to see that his hand of redemption is in everything, and I want to see how I can mind those things from the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, church history, great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I need to know that stuff. Um, Especially coming out of a Catholic background,
0: I bet church history was kind of revolutionary in terms of understanding the many different, Manifestations of mm-hmm. Christian, Christian sex, heresy, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And to be honest, if I can include this in LFBI, I would probably say D2. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Is maybe my favorite class. Yeah. in An LFBI. Yeah. Foundations. It's not three. like a transitional class to really get into the, the content. Like the first time I ever heard Kingdom of God, Kingdom of Heaven taught, mm-hmm. D2. Yeah. First time I ever was told how to study the Bible, D2. Yeah. That's what changed my life. Mm-hmm. The, the other classes have been great in that as a, as a teacher, I you teach our midweeks. Sometimes I teach every Sunday for the young adults um, and D2 as well. That content is extremely helpful for me to, to reference. Mm-hmm. Like obviously I need to be doing my own study, but there are times where I come to roadblocks and I need reminders of everything that everybody else put all the work in on. And I can, right. just, I can just take take and teach and hopefully be honest about yeah. as I do that.
0: Blade, thank you. Before we close, what's your favorite PostScript episode? Uh,
1: I was going to say that I think you've done three with James Fife on missions. You like those? I like those because I think they give an honest perspective of missions. I think you mean,
0: do you mean the, uh, the unknown missionary ones? Unknown or missionaries. The, okay, yeah,
1: yeah. Unknown missionaries because I think a lot of times people think they need to be a William Carey or— Somebody who, you know, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, one of the greats. One of the greats. Right. And so for me, thinking and hearing about these missionaries and, and them being unknown, just like the, how missions doesn't have to be sexy.
2: Mm-hmm. It
1: doesn't have to, you don't have to get any attention. Nobody may ever hear your name.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But if they hear the name of Christ, like, is that, is that not enough? Yeah. You know? And so it just refreshes me to hear stories of people who, um aren't the main guy.
0: Yeah. And that's what we kind of hope to do with these episodes, the shorts. They're yeah. still fairly new, but, but these are like growing leaders, people who mm-hmm. play um, you know, an important role in their church. Maybe they've got a call in their life for the pastorate, but maybe not. You know, may, maybe they're just supposed to be doing hospitality for the next 20 years, but they need to know God's word. And so we're hoping that this show um, exposes um, our audience, our audience mm-hmm. to those types of people.
1: Yeah. And we need those people. Like I think, I think Mike, Mike in Boston right now, Mm -hmm. he needs people to go up there and support him. Yeah. Serving. Just
0: serving. Sweating it out. Sweating, doing the hard work. Which there's no AC in their church building. So
1: in August, there's
0: some sweating going on. (laughs) Yeah. And that, that, that's, that's the work. Yeah, for sure.
1: We need to unglamorize it.
0: Well, so I don't, I mean, I don't know if our listeners could tell, this is one of the things I really like about Blade. Blade and I share this, we have this in common is he's a serious man. Yeah. He's a sober. I hope I wasn't. Was I intense? You're ze- no, you're zealous and you're, se- but no, you're not, it's not intensity, it's seriousness. And um, there's a gravity to the work that, that we do when we serve the Lord. Yes. And, um, you know, I think that it's really important sometimes to have a conversation that reminds us of that gravity and that sobriety that we need to have. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm really thankful for you. Mm. I'm thankful for your testimony. I'm praying for whatever God has ahead of you um, in your walk, man. I love you and your wife.
1: Love you guys. All
0: right. Well, we want to thank you for joining us and hanging out with Blade and I, hearing his story. I, I, I really do pray it was edifying for you. It was wonderful for me to hear and to be reminded of all the things that God's done in his life. But you've got a story too, and God is doing something in your life as well. And so um, think about that. Consider, consider what God has for you. Consider what it is that you're supposed to be doing in the context of your local church. Maybe it is just serving somewhere with everything you've got. Maybe it's maybe it's hospitality. Maybe it's children's ministry. Whatever it is, I know this. God wants you to learn his word. He wants you to be discipled in your local church, and he wants you to grow in your knowledge of, uh, of his divine revelation in his, in his scriptures. And so, LFBI is one part of that that mechanism to help disciple you. And so if you're interested in learning God's word in conjunction with your local church, and if you wanna study more, uh, while you serve and and minister to the people in your community, reach out to us, visit lfbi.org. Any questions that you have, please let us know. There's a link on the video here. Um, there are links everywhere. You can, you can get access to LFBI from, from any different, uh, location, but, uh, we love you. We care for you. And we want to ask you to join us if God would have it. Uh, like this episode, share it with your friends. Maybe you've got some Catholic friends uh, who are kind of in the same place that Blade was in their life. Share this with them. Uh, we, want this to be, we want this to be an episode that is edifying and challenging for people who need it. We love you so much and we can't wait to hang out with you again next week for another episode of The Post School.